Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Wednesday, February 23rd. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Hundreds of Missouri slaves escaped bondage in the winter of 1862 by making the difficult decision to cross the frozen Missouri River into neighboring Kansas. Half the family would go and the other half wouldn't. Some of them stayed in slavery because they had kids and they could not run the risk of, of making it across. We will have the story of enslaved people who risked everything to escape Missouri for Kansas in just a few minutes. St. Louis County will likely ease its requirements on wearing masks by the end of the month. The county council debated the mask mandate last night, and a proposal to immediately rescind it was defeated along party lines. County Executive Sam Page says he will continue to follow the recommendations of public health experts. And our health department tells me that they believe that the metrics that they have previously stated that would allow them to convert the mask mandate to a mask recommendation under certain circumstances those metrics they expect will be met um, in the coming days. And Page will detail changes to the county's mask policy today. COVID cases and hospitalizations have declined in recent weeks throughout the region. The filing period is underway for Missouri's August 2nd primary. It started yesterday and wraps up next Tuesday. Many Republicans vying for the seat being vacated by U.S. Senator Roy Blunt are emphasizing their similarities with former President Donald Trump. Former Governor Eric Greitens says he already has support from Trump-backing organizations. All of those fighters have endorsed us because they recognize that I'm the America First candidate in this race. Greitens resigned as Missouri governor in 2018 following allegations of sexual assault and campaign fraud. U.S. Representative Vicki Hartzler is being endorsed by Senator Josh Hawley and says if she does not win the nomination, she'll support any member of the GOP except Greitens. It is not conservative to tie a woman up in your basement and to assault her um, and to bring shame and disgrace on our state. A handful of other Republicans filed yesterday, including Attorney General Eric Schmidt, St. Louis lawyer Mark McCloskey, Missouri Senate President Pro Tem Dave Schatz, and U.S. Representative Billy Long. Democrats Lucas Kuntz, he's a former Marine, State Senator Scott Sifton, and businessman Spencer Totter filed for the Senate seat as well. There were no major surprises on the first day of filing in St. Louis County. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. Both County Executive Sam Page and his leading Republican challenger, State Representative Shemed Dogan, went to the Board of Elections headquarters in St. Anne on the first day. Page was one of the first candidates in the door. 2020 marks Page's second campaign in two years for the office. He says having a full term will give him a chance to address the county's, quote, complex problems. I'm anxious to get to work. A lot of opportunity here. I'm very optimistic, and I believe the county's headed in the right direction. Dogan disagrees, saying the county needs a change in leadership. He plans to campaign on the issues of crime and restarting the county's economy, which has been battered by the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Rachel Lippman. St. Louis Public Radio. Nearly 180 people were killed and more than 14,000 injured in traffic crashes last year in St. Louis and St. Louis County. Walking and biking advocacy organization TrailNet says the number of deaths was slightly lower than the record set in 2020, but the figures are still concerning. 
Program Coordinator Sam McCrory says the region needs to take a comprehensive look at road safety. Pictures of St. Louis in the 20s, there's people walking on the streets. It's, it's pedestrian-friendly. It's, it's people-centered planning um, and people-centered infrastructure. And that's what we need to get back to is get rid of fast-moving 45-mile-an-hour roads and get back to roads that prioritize people first. McRory was a guest yesterday on St. Louis on the Air. St. Louis Post-Dispatch owner Lee Enterprises is facing another lawsuit from a hedge fund trying to acquire the newspaper publisher. Alden Global Capital alleges Lee's board of directors is illegally breaking rules related to board elections. This lawsuit comes in advance of the company's annual meeting next month. Lee has already rejected a roughly $140 million offer from Alden, saying it undervalued the company. Slavery in Missouri is sparsely researched and rarely discussed. When it is, it's described as less severe than in the Deep South. But Western Missouri's unique geography made it a dangerous place to be in bondage and one of the first places where slavery began to crumble. Luke Martin reports. The banks of the Missouri River don't look like they did in the 1850s and 60s when American slavery was in its final throes especially in St. Joseph, where a double-decker highway now separates most of the city and the river. Back then, before the river was channelized, the mighty Moe was wider and shallower. For enslaved people in this booming part of western Missouri, that muddy river was all that separated them from Kansas and freedom. The proximity was tantalizing, says Cammie Jones, who works at St. Joseph Museums, which includes the city's Black Archives Museum. So usually it was like by like log rafts, and they would try to go across that way, but a lot of times they would wait until it was cold enough that the river was almost frozen or there was chunks of ice in it, and then cross through the ice. A historical marker overlooking the river memorializes one such instance during the winter of 1862, when hundreds escaped bondage by making their way across the ice. Historians call these slave stampedes, and this was perhaps one of the biggest in Missouri, the front lines of the mass escape phenomenon. Despite how straightforward crossing the river to freedom seems, the decision to do so was anything but. You know, a lot of people, half the family would go and the other half wouldn't. Some of them stayed in slavery because they had kids and they could not run the risk of, of making it across. Diane Muty Burke is a history professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and the director of the Center for Midwestern Studies. She says slavery here was just as brutal as anywhere, and most escape attempts failed. A slave patrol is basically community organized, and they would ride around and look for people that they considered to be out of place. In the lead up to the Civil War, as violence in territorial Kansas intensified and the number of escape attempts increased, those slave patrols morphed into vigilante groups. Oh, it was a huge concern of enslavers. They were incredibly paranoid about it. Mutie Burke documents their paranoia about escapes in a book she wrote called On Slavery's Border. She says Missouri's brand of slavery, think family farms instead of sprawling plantations, meant masters and their slaves lived and worked in close quarters. As a result, the owner's authority was easier to erode, and the enslaved had more opportunities to resist. Enslaved people were very politically astute. They knew what was going on, and even though... Very few people could read or write. Enslaved people would get a hold of information by listening to um, white people talk. Grapevine knowledge like that steered many slaves away from pro-slavery strongholds in Kansas, like Atchison, 
and toward abolitionist bulwarks like Lawrence or the Union Fort at Leavenworth. In the 1860s, an enslaved man named George Washington made that his route from a plantation located where Kansas City International Airport is now. Washington crossed the Missouri to Quindaro in what is now Kansas City, Kansas. Washington left little trace in Quindaro, but there are folks working to preserve some sense of what this place looked like in his time. Luther Smith is one of them. I'm the director of the Quindaro Grand Railroad Museum here in Quindaro. I've been around Quindaro all my life. I was born right down here on 29th Street. Out of a neglected old school building just up the bluff, Smith and others want to turn Quindaro's 160-year-old ruins into a tourist attraction, complete with paved trails and interpretive signs. Quindaro's got a lot of history to it, and that's what I want to leave for people to know, you know, because I'm getting a little bit older myself, a little bit. <laughs> In 2019, Quindaro was named a national commemorative site, but for now, seeing the ruins still requires a hike through overgrown woods. Like Missouri's little-discussed legacy of slavery, the stone foundations sit mostly forgotten, but not gone. I'm Luke Martin. Luke is a reporter at KCUR in Kansas City. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I am out tomorrow. Sarah Fenton will be at the helm of this daily extravaganza. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.